title of my message this morning is Little by Little. It's about the consistency of conquering. We're going to talk about the seven spirits that will rise up against us to try to keep us from possessing our promise. But seven spirits that can be conquered through the power of the Lord in our life. Amen? Because how many of you know if God is for us, no one can stand against us? Amen. The title of my message is taken from Exodus chapter 23, verses 29 to 30. The body of my message will be taken from Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. Before we go there, let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Because I need His anointing and you do as well. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank You that the I am that I am is in this house this morning. I thank You, Father God, that You have come to visit with Your people. You've come to dwell with us this morning, God. You've come to speak to us and instruct us. You've come to give us hope and life and peace and joy and faith, O God, everything that we need. To be more than conquerors, you've come to give us this morning. God, I pray for your divine anointing to rest upon me this morning. God, you know the struggle that I'm still having with my voice, God. But I know that with you all things are possible. Pray that you'd anoint my mind, anoint my lips, anoint every word that comes forth. That it would have the power to change us, O God. To transform us, God. To encourage us. To set us free. Come against every hindering spirit, God, that would try to snatch away the words, the truth, the revelation. Let it find a place within the soil of our soul this morning, God, that it would bear fruit and fruit that would last. Thank you for your power and your presence. And all of God's people said, Amen. You can be seated this morning. Exodus chapter 23, verses 29 to 30. It's where God is speaking to the children of Israel. Before they were about to go in to take their promise, it's where he was instructing them on the things that they should do when they enter into the promised land, things that they shouldn't do when they enter into the promised land. And I won't get into all the detail, but this is what he says. He says to them, when you go into this land, I will not drive out the enemy all at once or in one year, but little by little... I will drive them out of the land before you until you have increased enough to take possession of your land. And I don't want to get into all the theology of this passage, but the truth is that they were not numerous enough to occupy the entire territory. They were not numerous enough to be able to occupy all the land, to tend to the land, to take care of the land and cultivate the land. So he said, little by little, I'll drive out the enemies before you until you have increased enough to possess the land. You see, the reality is sometimes we're not prepared to go in and take the land. Sometimes we don't have the faith that we need to not just go in and take the land, but cultivate the land and to have dominion over the land. So little by little, God works in our lives till we are at the place spiritually where we cannot just take the land, but occupy the land. And that's what he is speaking to the people. Because how many of you know sometimes victory takes time? Sometimes... The miracle-working power of God takes time. Sometimes we have to be still and wait on God to move. Amen? Sometimes we have to pray again. 
Sometimes we have to trust again. Sometimes we have to go again. Sometimes we have to knock again. Sometimes we have to seek again. Sometimes we have to ask again. And all of that is part of God preparing us and increasing our faith so that we can go in and not only take the land, but live and move and breathe in the land. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us this morning. The truth is sometimes in the spiritual realm, it takes God all night to work like He worked with the children of Israel when they stood at the Red Sea. Not that God needed all night, church. How many of you know God didn't need all night to separate the sea? God didn't need all night to drive back the waters. God didn't need all night to dry up the land so that the people could cross over to the other side. God could have done it with a whisper. God could have done it in a moment. But the reality is the people needed all night. The people were scattered about at the Red Sea, and the people needed all night to get their families together. The people needed all night to get their belongings and their possessions together. The people needed all night to get themselves into position and into place for God to lead them across the Red Sea. God didn't need all night, but sometimes God needs all night to work with us. Amen? To get us to that place where we have increased enough to be able to go in and possess our land. Sometimes God moves right away. Like He did with Joshua. Who all He had to do was step out. All He had to do was take one step. And the waters were driven all the way back. Sometimes God moves our mountains just like that. And sometimes it seems like we got to take out a little shovel and dig away. Little by little. Amen? And that's where I get the title of my message, because the reality is sometimes we have to work little by little, church. We got to pray little by little. We got to rejoice little by little. We got to work little by little until God has taken us to the place where we can go in and possess and occupy our land. Amen. Sometimes our miracle and the, the work of the Lord is like losing weight. It has to happen little by little. I know there's a lot of us out here this morning that would like to drop 25 pounds overnight. But it doesn't work that way, amen? For it to last, it's got to be little by little. And that's what God wants to speak to us this morning, to trust in Him as little by little He works in our lives. As little by little He overcomes the enemy. As little by little He does miracles in our lives, church, because it's that little by little that matures us. It's that little by little that strengthens us. It's that little by little that gives us the faith that we need to live in the land He has prepared for us. Here in Exodus chapter 23, God was letting the people know that their victory would come little by little. And He lets them know up front. Why? So that they wouldn't grow discouraged. So that they wouldn't grow dismayed. So that they could look back and remember the words that God spoke to them. That little by little, this is going to happen in your life. And it's the word God is speaking to you this morning. Don't be discouraged because it seems to be taking time. Don't be discouraged because the devil still seems to be roaming around on your property because little by little, God will drive him out. Amen? Little by little, the children of Israel would have to go into all the land. Little by little, they would have to settle into their territory. 
Little by little, each and every tribe would have to take authority over their particular piece of property and the particular piece of promise that God had in store for them. Little by little, they would have to tear down altars. Little by little, they would have to tear down the false gods and the false images that had been erected in their life. Little by little, God would help them overcome seven nations that were greater than themselves. Not that God couldn't overcome the enemy, like I said, with a single word. Not that God couldn't overcome the enemy with a single whisper. Not that God couldn't overcome the enemy with a single wave of his hand, church. Why? Because he is the I am that I am. He could do it just like that, church. But it would be little by little that the Israelites would increase in number and faith enough to take their land, to possess their land, and to control their land. You see, it's one thing for you to rise up and and take your land, but it's another thing to live and move and breathe in it. It's another thing to exercise authority in it. It's another thing to tend to it. It's another thing to keep it, church. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to teach us this morning. God can do anything, but little by little, He told them that they would have to overcome their enemy. It's really what I want to look at this morning. The seven nations that God's people had to conquer little by little. Seven nations that they had to struggle with in and out every single day, every moment of their lives. I, I want to talk about the, the seven nations that were greater and stronger than they were all by themselves but who were nothing compared to the power of Jehovah. Amen? Because greater is He that is within me than he that's in this world. you got to keep in mind, though, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have any power. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have any spiritual skills. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have the anointing, and you don't have what it takes to not just conquer your land, but to possess your land. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1 to 2, Moses speaks to the people and says this, and this is the body of my message this morning. I'm going to do the best that I can to get through as quick as I can because I've got a lot that I want to cover. I usually only have about three or four points. Today I got seven, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to get through it all. Amen. But this is what God says. When the Lord your God shall bring you into the land where you are about to go and possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God shall deliver them before you, you shall smite them. You shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show any mercy to them. And like I said last week, you shall not cohabitate with them. Because here's the reality, and this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. When we allow these seven nations, which represent seven spirits, when we allow them to roam in our lives, we will never possess our promise. When we allow these seven spirits to operate in our lives, have dominion and authority over our lives, we will be nothing but slaves to them, church. We will not possess the promise nor the power that God wants us to experience in our lives. The first thing that I want you to notice is that God did not hesitate to remind His people that there were seven nations that were greater than they were. 
God himself didn't hesitate to tell his people that there were seven nations that were more powerful than them and stronger than them. Seven nations that were better equipped and better prepared at church to fight than they were prepared to fight. Seven nations that outnumbered them, outskilled them, and were able to outperform them. Seven nations, church, that they could not overcome on their own. And this is what you and I have to realize. That there are spirits operating in our lives that we cannot defeat on our own. Amen? This is what you and I have to realize, that you can and never will defeat the enemy on your own. You need God. You need the divine weapons of your warfare. You need to make sure that you are cloaked in the full armor of God. You'll never defeat the principalities and the rulers and the spirits of darkness, church, in your life. You need God. You will never defeat the devil in your own wisdom. You'll never defeat his demons in your own skills and your own abilities. You need divine help. You need the divine weapons of your warfare. You need the power of God and the power of his word and the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. According to this passage, church, there are seven spirits that can only be defeated in your life under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Under the anointing of God. Under the anointing and the power of the Word of God in your life. And if you do not operate in those things, if you do not use the divine weapons of your warfare, like worship and praise and prayer and fasting and the Word of God, you will not conquer these spirits that will operate in your life. And these are the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Listen, I'm not talking about the Hittites or the Hivites coming knocking on your door. I'm not talking about physical armies. I'm not talking about physical nations this morning. I'm talking about seven spirits that will do everything they can to keep you from possessing your promise. They will do everything they can to keep you from advancing the kingdom of God. They'll do everything they can to keep you from advancing your territory, church, from, from expanding your and moving your tent pegs in life, from possessing the promise and taking the territory that God has for you. Understand, I'm not bringing this word to discourage you this morning. I know I encouraged you last week to rise up and go possess your land and to take it at once. But my goal this morning is to give you some insight and the tools that you need to inhabit your land, to overcome the enemy. I know last week I stomped and I shouted and I screamed. This morning I want to teach you. And if the Holy Spirit causes me to stomp and shout and gives me the voice to scream, I'm going to do it. But I want to give you a word this morning, church. I pray that you got a pencil. I pray that you got a tablet so that you can write down the words of the Lord so you have the tools and, and, and the things that you need. Remember the word tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.11, do not be ignorant of the devil's devices. Don't be ignorant of the tactics that he uses. Be aware of the tools that he uses. It also tells us in Hosea 4.6 that my people suffer due to a lack of knowledge. My people experience unnecessary heartache and headache due to a lack of spiritual understanding. They don't have spiritual vision and spiritual insight. And because of it, they suffer, church. 
God wants to give us some insight this morning. He wants to teach us about his enemy. I want to teach you something this morning about the principalities and the spirits and the rulers of darkness that we have to take, uh, that we have to do battle with little by little in our lives until we are advanced enough to take our land. I'm not going to get into a bunch of deep theological discussion this morning. I'm not going to get into the full Greek and the full Hebrew that surrounds every name of these nations. But I want to give you just enough to give you some understanding. Just enough to make a spiritual parallel between these nations and the spirits that will operate in our lives. And the very first spirit, the very first nation that God mentions having to defeat are the Hittites. Who have also been called the sons of terror, church. That's what Hittite means. It means sons of terror. So in a spiritual sense, in the, in the supernatural world, church, the, the Hittites represent the spirit of fear that will rise up against us. An evil spirit that will come against us every time we try to step out in faith. A, a spirit that will come against us every time we try to take possession of our land. Every time we try to increase our territory. Every time we try to advance uh, the, the physical blessings of God in our life and the, and the spiritual kingdom of God as well. It is the very first spirit that we have to overcome, church. Every time we try to step out, this spirit of fear will rise up against you. It'll rise up against you in the natural world, and it'll rise up against you in the spiritual world as well. Listen, in the natural world, every time you try to step out and advance yourself, the spirit of fear will come against you to try to keep you where you are, to try to keep you from advancing. Listen, the spirit of fear will rise up when it's time to come and take that or do that interview. The spirit of fear will rise up when you consider getting your GED or advancing your education. The spirit of fear will rise up in the young man and it will keep him from asking out the girl of his dreams. The spirit of fear will rise up and keep you from starting that business. It will keep you from changing your career. It will keep you from stepping out and doing something bigger and bolder than you are doing right now. The spirit of fear will rise up in the natural church and try to keep you from bettering yourself. Try to keep you from advancing yourself. It, try to keep you from advancing your territory. It will keep you from the college. It will keep you from all of those things that God wants to use to better your life. In the spiritual sense, the spirit of fear will rise up in the same way. The spirit of fear will rise up when you try to fulfill the great commission in your life. Amen? To go out into all the world and preach the gospel. You see, it's what the Spirit of does. It tries to silence you. It scares you into being silent. scares you into being quiet. It keeps you from stepping out in ministry. It, it keeps you from advancing the kingdom of God in your life. It tries to scare you into not being salt and not being light. In the spiritual world and in the natural world, this Spirit will keep you from advancing. Church, it's why all throughout Scripture, the Lord said, Fear not, but be strong and courageous. Fear not, but be bold and brave. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. He said, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. He said, child, you are mine. When you walk through the waters, I will be there and through the flame. You'll not be drowned, you'll not be burned, for I will be with you. So fear not, but be strong and courageous. Fear not, step out in faith. 
Fear not, advance the kingdom of God. Fear not, increase your territory and go take possession of your land. Understand the number one enemy of every believer in the very first spirit we need to conquer in our lives is the spirit of fear. Fear is the ultimate weapon of our enemy, church. His roar has the power to petrify those who walk by sight instead of by faith. It's his roar that will keep you up at night. It's his roar that will keep you from facing the day. It's his roar, church, that will cause you to stand uh, petrified on the side of a mountain like he did with Saul and the army of God. It's his roar, church. Remember the Bible said your enemy roams about like a what? Like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Devour with what? Devour with fear. Devour with timidity. To, to devour with terror, church, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to devour you with the spirit of fear. He wants to devour you with the spirit of terror. He wants to keep you from advancing and expanding your territory. Please understand, it was the roar of Goliath that petrified Saul. It was the roar of Goliath that caused an entire army to stand still. When the children of Israel found themselves at the Red Sea, about to go across the Red Sea, what was it that struck fear in them? It was the roar of the chariots. It was the roar of the the hooves stamping on the ground. That's all it was, because that's all they could hear. The enemy was so far away, but the roar of the chariots and the, the rumble of the chariots is what brought fear into their life. The spirit of Hittite is the spirit of terror. It is the spirit of fear, and it's the very spirit that will try to keep you from possessing your promise. And listen, you can't defeat it on your own. You cannot defeat it unless you have the anointing of God upon your life, the power of God in your life, and the Word of God, the divine weapons of warfare operating in your life, church. Listen, fear is not an emotion. Fear is not a feeling. According to the Word of God, and some of you might disagree, fear is not an attitude. I want you to understand that fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit that the devil looses against you to keep you from possessing the promise that God has for you. And being that it is an evil spirit, being that it is a demonic spirit, you cannot defeat the spirit of Hittites all on your own. You need the spirit of God and the spirit of Jehovah in your life in order to defeat this. It is not an emotion, church. It is an evil spirit whose sole goal is to keep you from your promise. Sole goal is to cause you to question God's ability to bring you through and take you across, church, the Red Sea. The spirit of fear causes you to question God and say, Why did you bring us out here into the middle of this wilderness? That's what the spirit of fear does. It questions the power of God in our lives. And it can only be conquered through faith and the Spirit of God. Listen, the harsh reality is if we don't win the battle with fear, if we don't drive out the Hittite spirit from our lives, the promise cannot be ours. It's why God listed the Hittites first, church, because we must first defeat fear if we are to occupy the land. Remember... God said in 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God has not given you a spirit of fear. He didn't say God did not give you an emotion of fear. He didn't say God didn't give you the feeling of fear. 
He reminded us that this Hittite spirit called fear is a spirit, church. God has not given you this spirit of fear. God's not the one that has loosed the spirit of fear over your life. God's not the one that birthed the spirit of fear. God is not the author of the spirit of fear, church, but of the spirit of love and the spirit of power and the spirit of a sound mind. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be controlled by the spirit of fear. I want to be controlled by the spirit of love. I want to be controlled by the spirit of power in my life. I want to be controlled by the spirit of a sound mind, church, that is enabling me to go and possess my promise. If you allow the spirit of fear to operate in your life, you'll never step on your territory. You'll never possess your promise. It'll never be yes and amen in your life because you don't believe. Because you've been overtaken by the spirit of Hittite church and you need to drive it out of your life. Again, it's the first of the seven spirits that's stronger and greater than you. And you've got to drive it out under the anointing of God and the divine weapons of your warfare. Second spirit. I'm going to get through these as quick as I can because that was my intro. The second spirit is the spirit of Girgashite, which means this, clay dwellers. It means people of the earth. When you study this and break it down, you will find out that this is the spirit of doubt that will try to operate in your life. This spirit causes you to focus on things visible and natural instead of things spiritual uh, and supernatural church when the when the hittite or when the Girgashite spirit is operating in your life it'll cause you to walk by the flesh and not by the spirit it'll cause you to walk by sight and not by faith the, the Girgashite spirit relies on earthly wisdom and earthly intellect if they can't figure it out in their mind understand what i'm saying they try to reason it out i know a lot of people like that they try to figure this out in the flesh They try to figure this out in their own natural understanding. But how many of you know God's ways are higher than our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so are God's ways and God's thoughts higher than our thoughts. Listen, if you are going to limit the power of God to what you can understand and think, the power of God will never be released in your life. Never move in your life. The reality is God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what? Beyond what you can think, beyond what you can reason, beyond what you can understand in the natural being. God is able to do incredibly and abundantly beyond what you can figure Him out to be. See, some of the some, some people listen to me. They're struggling in the wilderness because they're still trying to figure out God. Struggling in the wilderness because they just can't seem to make sense of it. It's what faith is all about, church. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But see, the Girgashite spirit needs to see to believe. The Girgashite spirit needs needs to, to touch and feel in order to believe. Like Thomas, who had a Girgashite spirit within him that said, until I can touch it, I ain't going to believe it. And that's where a lot of us live, church. Controlled by the Girgashite spirit. Controlled by the spirit of doubt that if they can't see it, can't reason it, can't understand it, it can't be so. Amen. 
And this is a spirit that you cannot defeat on your own. You need, again, the divine weapons of warfare in order to overcome this enemy. Listen to me, church. Sometimes what God asks of us or calls us to do makes absolutely no sense. You've been there. I know a dude that the Lord called and asked to jump out of a window during the middle of a church service. You've seen it. Get up and run. Get up and dance. Get up and do something. Listen. Sometimes what God asks us to do makes absolutely no sense. You got $5 and God tells you to give 10 It makes absolutely no sense. But please understand, God will ask you to do things that make no sense, church. They go against human reason. Sometimes God will ask you to march seven times around a 50-foot wall. For what? Sometimes God will ask you to go dip into a Jordan to make things right with God. Dip into a dirty river instead of a clean river. Makes no sense, God. Sometimes God will ask 300 individuals to go against 3,000. Makes no sense. But if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. Listen, the reality is sometimes what God asks us to do makes no sense. Like with Joshua. He asked Joshua to step out into the middle of a rushing river. Made no sense. But Joshua knew if God is with me. And he did it. And a miracle took place. Sometimes God will ask you to go possess a a land and take over a territory that's filled with giants, church. But it's the way God operates. Listen, if God asked you to do something that was possible instead of impossible, you wouldn't need Him, church. You wouldn't need Him. But God asks us to do things like this, so we fall on our knees and fall on our face and ask faith to rise up inside of us so we can take possession of the promise that God has for us. Amen? The Gergeshite spirit causes you to look at yourself like grasshoppers instead of a, a mighty nation, church. The Gergeshite spirit causes you to walk by sight, like I said, instead of by faith, and will limit the power of God. And we limit the power of God to our own human understanding. And when we do, we'll miss our promise. When we do, please get this. When we allow the Gergeshite spirit to operate in our lives, we'll wander in the wilderness of what we can see with our natural eyes. Instead of possessing what we can only see by faith. You see, there's some things God has for you people that you can only see by faith. The ten spies that went in couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. They couldn't. They, they were looking with their natural eyes that what they saw was the descendants of Anak instead of the promise of God. But it's what the Gergeshite spirit does. And if you want to possess your promise, you cannot be a clay dweller, church. You must drive the, you must drive the spirit of doubt out of your life. And you cannot do it on your own. Third spirit that we must battle is the Amorite spirit. The Amorite, Amorite means this. It means mountainous or mountainous people. It means renowned. The word Amar, which is a form or a, or a root of Amorite, means to utter and to say. So in the spiritual, in the, in the supernatural, Amorite means that the Amorite loves to hear its own name. The Amorite loves to hear its own name spoken. 
It loves to hear its own name uttered. It is a spirit of arrogance. It is a haughty spirit and a prideful spirit. It is a spirit of vainglory, church. And it's operating in a lot of our lives. Amen? Listen, the Amorite spirit loves to rule over others like mountains rule over the valley and mountains rule over the plain. That's why the Amorite was called mountainous, because it loves to rise up above everyone else. It likes to rule over others like the mountain rules over the valley, church. The Amorite spirit seeks to rule over all other authority. The Amorite spirit wants to sit on the throne of our heart and usurp the kingship of Christ in our lives. The Amorite spirit doesn't bow. The Amorite spirit is stubborn. The Amorite spirit doesn't want to humble itself or lower itself in the sight of the Lord so that the Lord can lift it up. The Amorite spirit lifts itself up, church, and wants to hear its name uttered over others. Remember the Lord said, I am the Lord thy God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, and thou shalt have no other gods before me. But the Amorite spirit wants first place. The Amorite spirit wants prominence in your life. The Amorite spirit, church, is all about me, myself, and I. And like I said, it likes to hear its own name uttered. You can say the Amorite spirit loves to look at itself in the mirror. The Amorite spirit wants to be more popular than everyone else. The Amorite spirit wants to be prettier than everyone else. The Amorite spirit wants to be more successful than everyone else. Wants to drive a better car than everyone else. Wants to live in a bigger house than everyone else. You understand what I'm saying? This is the Amorite spirit that is moving not just on this earth, but it is moving in the house of God. It is moving and operating uh, amongst the, the children of God, church. And if you want to possess your promise, you better learn how to put down the Amorite spirit. You better learn how to lower the Amorite spirit in your life, church. Listen, if, if you want to possess your promise, you have to defeat the Amorite spirit. Listen to me. When you search the scriptures for types of kings, it mentions the Amorite kings five times more than any other king. Why? Because that is the spirit of Amorite. It loves to hear its name mentioned, loves to hear its name uttered, loves to hear its name whispered. Just loves me, myself, and I. He wants predominance in your life. And it will always, listen, it will always try to usurp the government of God and the authority of God in your life. Listen to me. Anything that tries to usurp the authority of God, anything that tries to usurp the will and the word of God in your life, anything, any individual, any boyfriend, any girlfriend, any friendship, any hobby, any habit, any activity, Any thought, anything that tries to raise itself above the Word of God and the will of God in your life is the Amorite spirit, church. Listen, if there's some young people in here, when you rebel against your parents, when you disobey your parents, when you ignore their authority in your life, you are allowing the Amorite spirit to operate in your life. It's an evil spirit. It's a demonic spirit. It shouldn't have any rule in your life. 
when we when we disobey the the authority the authorities and the spiritual authorities and earthly authorities that God has put over us in life, it, we are operating under the Amorite spirit. And when we do, we'll never possess our promise. We can only possess what we can conquer in our own strength, church. You'll only be able to possess what me, myself, and I are able to acquire. That is the Amorite spirit. And if you want to possess your promise, you've got to drive it out. Listen, I know I'm limited on time, but the Amorite spirit is a spirit that that seeks earthly fame and fortune. It wants 15 minutes of fame no matter how it gets it. 15 minutes of fame no matter how it gets it. Look on YouTube, and in a matter of three minutes, you'll find the Amorite spirit. The Amorite spirit wants its name to go viral. The Amorite spirit wants its face to go viral. The Amorite spirit wants its video to go viral. Listen to me. And it doesn't care how it happens. It'll strip down naked and show itself off. In order to gather 15 minutes of fame, it'll do things that are dangerous. It'll do things that are risky. It'll do things uh, that, that make no sense. Church can't figure out why why they're doing something that, that's stupid. But they'll do it anyway because they want their 15 minutes of fame. And you need to shut it down, church. You need to defeat it under the divine power and the divine weapons of God. Listen, the spirit of fear, the spirit of doubt, the spirit of vain glory, they're the three first three spirits that will operate. And I'm going to whip through these as quickly as I can. Fourth spirit. Thank you, Willie. The fourth spirit that we must conquer is the Canaanite spirit. Canaanite means a lowland people. The Canaanite spirit, church, will cause you to live lower than God's plan for your life. The Canaanite spirit, when allowed to operate in your life, will cause you to live lower than the purposes and the plan that God has for you. It's called low living. And there's a lot of people in the house of God that are allowing this Canaanite spirit to operate in their life. They're settling for less than God's best. They're settling for less than God's power. They're settling for less than God's anointing. They're settling for less than God's promise. And like I preached last week, they're settling on this side of the Jordan in the land of Moab. I want you to understand that the Canaanite spirit is a spirit of mediocrity that is quite okay settling on this side of the Jordan. Quite okay living with less than what God has promised in their life. But I want you to understand, church, I want everything that God has for me. I want His anointing and His power and His wisdom and His provision and His protection. And the only way that that's going to happen is if I put down the Canaanite spirit in my life. Not allow it to cause me to live lower than what God has in store for me. In the spiritual sense, in the supernatural world, Canaanite means a people of earthly passions. can also be translated the people of the plain. In a spiritual sense, again, this is a people who are controlled by the lust of the eyes and by the lust of the flesh. A people given to earthly lowland appetites, church. They are led around by earthly pleasures and earthly passions. It is a carnal spirit, church. Listen, when you study the scriptures, Sodom and Gomorrah were part of the cities of the plain. Cities of the plain. 
And it's exactly why when God brought Lot and his family out of Sodom, he told them, do not stop in the what? Do not stop in the plains, but go to the mountain. Why? Because God was about to bring judgment on the cities of the plain. Because God was about to bring judgment on the the people of the plain who were given to lusty, fleshly, earthly, carnal appetites. Individuals that were controlled by earthly addictions, church. Listen to me, and I know I'm short on time. But if you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with alcohol, if you're struggling with any kind of earthly carnal addiction, it is the spirit of Canaanite operating in your life. And you cannot defeat it on your own. It is a spirit that is stronger than you, greater than you, more powerful than you. And it's why if these things are operating in your life, you've got to get on your knees and call on God. It's why you've got to open up the Word of God, which is the power of God unto salvation. It is the thing that can set you free. And you need to begin to speak these words over the Canaanite spirit in your life. So that you can break the bond and possess the promise God has for you. Amen? Listen. I'm going to go here. I want to try to save some time, but without getting too theological with you. The word plain, as in people of the plain, like I just said, it can also be translated people of the whirl, whirl, like in twirling, or the people of the dance. And if you remember in Exodus chapter 32, when Moses was up on the mountaintop seeking the face of God, when Moses was up on the mountaintop, trying to hear from God, trying to receive from God, where he was trying to prepare himself and the people to go in and take possession of the land. Oh, what were the people doing? The Bible tells us that they got tired of waiting on God. They got tired of waiting on Moses. They got tired of waiting on the promise. So what they do? They gathered all the gold, the earrings, the things of the flesh, The things that we adorn ourselves with. You understand? Listen, they took all the gold and it says that they fashioned for themselves a God unto their own liking. A God unto their own fleshly liking. Their own carnal liking. And what's the Bible said they started to do? They started to dance all around. Listen, it's one thing to dance in the presence of the Lord. It's one thing to express ourselves to the Lord, but it's another thing to dance to our carnal nature. It's another thing to dance to to please those individuals in this world that are not filled with the Spirit of God. Listen, I want you to understand what happened when they were given to the spirit of carnality in their life. The Bible says on that day that 3,000 individuals were killed. 3,000 individuals that day died because they allowed the spirit of carnality to operate in their life. If you want the promise of God to be killed in your life, do a little carnal. I'm not talking about dancing. I'm just talking about giving yourself to the carnal desires of your life. But if you want to possess God's promise, if you want to receive everything that God has for you, you've got to crucify the spirit of carnality. So that you can go in and possess the promised church. Listen, the fifth spirit, and I'm moving on, that will stand in the way of our promise is the parasite spirit. It is a spirit of limited vision and low self-esteem, church. 
It is a it means it means from a tiny little village. It denotes a people with little vision beyond their own borders. And you know how it is with people. Maybe some of you have been there and God's brought you out. But maybe you know how it is with people that, that grow up in tiny little backwoods villages, not to say not to be demeaning to them. But little villages that are separated from the big city. Little villages that are separated from society. Little villages that, that don't seem to have a connection to the things that are happening, happening around them. Their vision becomes small. They, 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 they have a difficult time thinking, envisioning, and believing beyond their own borders. They're stuck in the coal mines. They're stuck in the steel mill. They're stuck in the farmland. Because they, they have this, this spirit about them, the, the parasite spirit that has difficulty believing beyond their own borders. Listen to me, church. The parasite spirit keeps us from dreaming big, keeps us from thinking big, keeps us from asking big. It keeps us from praying big and trusting big and believing big. It keeps us from doing big things for God, church. Again, the parasite spirit sees themselves as grasshoppers in the sight of the enemy. The spies that had a parasite spirit. Listen, I believe these spies were, were oppressed by numbers of these spirits. I don't want to say they were possessed, but they were influenced by a number of these spirits. But they, had a, they were influenced by the parasite spirit that said, we can't. Instead of a godly spirit that said we surely can, because with God all things are possible. Listen, the parasite spirit tends to keep God out of the equation, church, and it settles again like another spirit in the land of mediocrity, in a land where they don't need God. So listen, if you want to inhabit your promise, you have to see with spiritual eyes. You have to see beyond your own borders. You have to believe beyond your own borders. You have to pray beyond your own borders. You have to ask beyond your own borders. You have to think bigger and believe bigger and pray bigger like Joshua and Caleb Church. They were the only two that were able to receive the fullness of God's promise. Why? Because they didn't have a parasite spirit operating in their life. They put it down. They believed bigger and they possessed bigger. Listen, if you want your promise, you got to believe for your promise. You got to have faith in your promise. You got to ask for that promise and you got to go possess that promise. Listen, the reality is some of you got to get the parasites out of your life. You got to get those naysayers out of your life. You got to get all that negativity out of your life. You gotta, you gotta remove those individuals that, that are constantly saying, we can't do this and you, you can't do that and why are you doing this and why are you doing that? Cause they can't figure it out in their own mind cause they got a parasite spirit operating in them. Some of you need to attach yourselves to some Caleb's who at 85 years old said, I'm gonna go up and take possession of my land. I don't care what you do, but I'm going to go possess my promise. Some of you need to shake off that parasite spirit. Put on a spirit of faith and belief and start thinking and praying bigger. Amen. Go possess your promise. I'm going to ask Pastor Chad to come to the music because in the next few minutes I'm going to wrap this up. Sixth spirit. 
has the power to keep us from procuring our promise is the Hivite spirit. It is a hedonistic spirit. The word Hivite comes from the Hebrew word Shava, meaning to live or to live it up. And if that's all I said, that would be enough. Amen? You see, the Hivite spirit, live it up! You know what I'm talking about. Some of you used to move around with that Hivite spirit. Used to live and move and breathe with that Hivite spirit. Amen? But God set you free. Now you got the Spirit of God to give you something to dance about. Now you got the Spirit of God that really lets you live things up in a spiritual sense instead of an earthly sense. Amen? See, ultimately, the Hivite spirit is focused on an earthly inheritance instead of an eternal one. The Hivite spirit stores up treasures on earth instead of treasures in heaven. The Hivite spirit is rich towards itself instead of being rich towards God and being rich towards others. It has no focus on the future church, but it lives for the now, lives for the moment, lives for the temporary pleasure. Doesn't think about the consequences, doesn't think about tomorrow, doesn't think about next week or next month, let alone think about eternity, church. You see, the thing that we have to ask ourselves this morning to figure out whether or not this Hivite spirit is operating in us is to ask ourselves, when's the last time I thought about eternity? When's the last time I thought about the coming of the King? When's the last time I thought about walking on streets of gold? When's the last time I thought about beholding Him eye to eye and face to face? When's the last time I thought about the clouds rolling back when's the last time i thought about having to stand before the lord to give an account of the 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 deeds that i did while i was here on the earth when's the last time i thought about the the king of glory descending with a shout and taking home his bride when's the last time i thought about heaven and hell When's the last time I thought about where I would spend eternity after I breathed my last breath and was no more? You see, if it's been a long time since you thought about eternity, you might have this Hivite spirit operating in your life. Because please listen to me, the last thing the Hivite spirit wants you to think about is your home in glory. The last thing the Hivite spirit wants you to think about are the consequences of your actions, the consequences of your lifestyle, the consequences of the choices that you make when you live it up for yourself, church. Finally, the last spirit that we must conquer in our lives is the Jebusite spirit. The word Jebusite means thresher or stomper of the grain. Therefore, in a spiritual sense, church, this Jebusite spirit is a pharisaical spirit. It is a legalistic spirit. The Jebusite spirit loves to put others down, loves to trample on others. It's similar to the Amorite spirit that loves to exalt itself. But here's the difference. The Jebusite spirit loves to exalt itself in the eyes of God instead of in the eyes of man. 
The Amorite spirit wants to exalt itself in the eyes of man. But the Jebusite spirit, which is the most dangerous spirit of all, is the spirit that tries to exalt itself in the eyes of God. That is the pharisaical spirit that moved all through the early church. It was the very spirit that Paul, the greatest author of the New Testament, he had to confront every single day was a spirit of legalism that crept its way into the church. Spirit of legalism that said, if you act in such a way, God will accept you. If you perform in such a way, God will love you. God will receive you. If you live according to this list that man has put together, then God will be your father. Hogwash. Please understand me this morning. It is by grace that we are saved. And not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. But that's what the Jebusite spirit does. Boasts when it's outside. Boasts in its three-piece suit. It boasts in its big Bible. It boasts in how many verses it can quote. It boasts in where it sits in the house of God. I, I'm up front. I'm a, I'm a holy. Thank you for sitting up front. I don't want everybody sitting in the back. But thank you for sitting in the back, too. I just want the house of God full. But you understand what I'm saying. The Jebusite spirit is a legalistic spirit. And the Bible tells me that if you live by the law... You will die by the law. I hope you're getting this, church. Because Christ has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Life doesn't come by living according to a list of rules that man makes. Power doesn't come and anointing doesn't come. And the promise isn't provided in your life by performing for God in, in any particular way. It comes by consecrating yourself to God. It comes by receiving the love of Jesus Christ in your life. It comes through the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ. It doesn't come by you pleasing me, pleasing the pastor. Showing off to man. It comes by allowing the precious blood of Jesus Christ to make you new. To give you new life. And life more abundantly, church. But here's how I need to close. None of these spirits can be overcome on our own. None of these spirits can be conquered in our own strength, our own might, our own wisdom. And I hope you understand from what you've received this morning that the only way you will possess your promise is through the power and the wondrous work of Jesus Christ. Amen? He's the only one that qualifies you for your promise. 
If you want your promise, I want you to stand to your feet because here's how I'm closing. How many of you know that little by little is what makes us stronger? Amen. Little by little, God increases our faith enough to possess the land. Little by little, God established a spiritual lifestyle within us in order for us to stay strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen? And not our own. How many of you here this morning say, God, I need your help. I need your strength. I need your power. I need the divine weapons of your warfare so that little by little, I can become more than a conqueror. Amen. Little by little, I can possess what I have. I'm going to ask that the prayer team come forward. I'm not going to linger long this morning because I'm just going to pray a prayer over all of us. But if any of you are here this morning and you recognize a particular spirit operating in your life, doesn't matter what it is, but you're willing to admit this morning, God, I cannot do this on my own. I've been struggling with this spirit. I've allowed it to rule and reign in my life, and I need some help, God. I'm going to ask as I pray that you make your way forward and let this team agree with you so that you can conquer this enemy, amen, and conquer this spirit. How many of you trust God to see it through today, amen? So as I pray and you want a special prayer, you come forward.